So this one time in third grade, I fell down a hill looking for fossils. Not yet, but that's kind of what it looked like, a little. <clears throat> True story. Um, shouldn't laugh that hard, though. It's kind of traumatic for me, all right? Honestly, all of elementary school is pretty traumatic for me, probably because I had stories like I fell down a hill in third grade looking for fossils. Um, it was not a great time in elementary school, but a couple weeks ago, I showed some pictures of what I looked like and everything like that, and it just wasn't, it wasn't the best time of my life, that's for sure. I enjoyed high school and middle school much more than elementary school. Um, but have you ever been in a moment where if you just had one other person with you, things would have just been a lot better? You ever had moments like that? All right, well, in third grade, when I fell down a hill looking for fossils, if I had someone else with me, like maybe any friend ever, I didn't have any friends um, much. It was sad. It really was. It was sad. But let me give you some context to the story. I was on a field trip in third grade, and it was a science field trip, and our whole class was out looking for fossils. It wasn't just me, like, out looking for fossils, Okay. It legitimately was like a class, and we were looking, and it was crazy because the teacher totally framed it like we were going to find T-Rex bones, and it was like we were finding roly-polies from like prehistoric times, which were still the same size somehow, okay? And it wasn't even that cool, but I remember that I really didn't have anybody to hang out with, and so I, I went up to this side of this hill, and I was like, oh, I brother, there's fossils down there. And so I, I go to start, and I, all the other class kind of around this little area, and we're out, it's kind of like deserty. and I go down this hill a couple of steps, and then I realize I might die down here, um, even though it was like three steps away from the top. So I turn around to go back up again, and when I turn around to go back up, I lost my footing, and I, I, I start falling backwards, all right? And it is just, it's no, it's no good at all. All right. And I don't know, I would love to see this whole story go down. Like when we get to heaven, you, you know, maybe we can see all the different parts of our life. But I think I would imagine it looked a little something like this. Something like that. I think that's what it did. I probably just fell backwards, didn't even do a flip. But this is, what I do remember is how I landed. And so I fell backwards down the hill, and I rolled a little bit, and I fell with, like, my legs up the hill and my, my hands kind of behind me like that, but my legs were uphill, and I didn't have the ab muscles to, like, crunch up. But the, but the problem is my hands and my muffin top was in cactus, so I was stuck like that. And of course, as a chubby kid, when your belly's out, you're even extra like, I need to get out of here now so no one sees me. And my shirt was up and I was just in cactus. And it was the worst because I couldn't, I did not have the ab muscles to crunch up uphill. I didn't. And so I had to roll over the cactus more to get up. And so I spent the rest of that field trip with the bus driver who was plucking cactus quills out my muffin top in my hands. It was terrible. It was, it, was, it was the worst. It was the worst. And later in life, I read this Bible verse in Ecclesiastes 4. And this is what it says. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Like a fat kid on a cactus. Real trouble. Real trouble. Truth is, life is just better together. It's better with people that you can hang out with. And I, I mean, there's just a lot of different things in life that even like, that, that was a bad example, right? Where someone can help you if you're in trouble. But there are certain activities that are better 
if you have more than one person. Catch. Better with two people. I mean, you can toss stuff up and down. That's fine. All right, or you get like the, 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 the image of like a kid throwing a football to no one, and it's sad. That was also my elementary school experience. Um, just kidding, I couldn't throw. Uh, right? Or laser tag. Can't play that alone. That's extra sad if you just have two laser guns and you have, you have yourself, right? Or honeymoons. I'll leave that one alone, okay? Just saying my honeymoon was awesome because I had my wife with me. Psalm 131, 133, 1 says, How truly wonderful and delightful to see brothers and sisters living together in sweet unity. See, this image that God has, tonight I want to talk, talk to us about this idea of being together and this idea of not just being together with, with one another, with me and you and with, with your friends or family or whatever, but also this togetherness with God because God has mapped out a kingdom. And in this kingdom, it's this togetherness that's not just people around people, but it's also God among his people. And so I want to take us through two stories, one in the New Testament, one in the Old Testament. We're going to start in the Old Testament. But what I want us to realize is through these two stories, normally they really wouldn't have any connection to one another whatsoever. The Old Testament was written thousands of years before this section of the Old Testament was written thousands of years before the New Testament. And it's just crazy to see how God does everything on purpose. And God points to himself through every single part of the Bible. So I want to take us through these two stories. And what I want us to do is I want us to look at what God is saying to each and every one of our personal lives through these stories. Whenever we read the Bible, whenever we get into the word, I believe that God is not just telling us a story when we read his stories, but he's telling us something about our personal lives as well. So it's my hope and prayer that we can get something for ourselves out of this, out of these stories as well. So the first story is called the Tower of Babel. It's in the first book of the Bible, which is Genesis, and it's pretty early on in Genesis. And so timeline-wise, this story takes place right after Noah. You guys have heard of Noah and the ark, right? The animals, two by two, all that. And it, it takes place right before Abraham. Like, Father Abraham, have any sons? So it's actually the only story mentioned in between Noah and Abraham, although there were like hundreds of years in between those two characters, this is the only story mentioned. And it's pretty short. And to be honest, it's, it's kind of weird. It's a small story that didn't mean a lot, like didn't mean, mean very much to me recently. I thought it was just a weird, random story, but God is not random. He does everything on purpose. And I believe that tonight he's going to show us that. So let's jump into it. Genesis 11, 1 and 2. At one time, all the people of the world spoke the same language and used the same words. As people migrated to the east, they found a plain in the land of Babylonia and settled there. Have any of you guys ever, like, had trouble with the language barrier? You know what I mean by the language barrier? Have you ever, like, tried to order something at a restaurant and they only speak Spanish or you're at a Chinese restaurant and they only speak Chinese or they don't speak very good English and so you're trying to communicate and it's hard? It's pretty tough, right? I was in a mission trip in Peru when I was in high school, and I ordered dinner at a restaurant, and what I ordered was a guinea pig. That's a thing there, okay? And it wasn't just like, oh, that kind of looks like chicken. And then I asked. It was clearly a guinea pig. They chopped a guinea pig in half long ways and just baked it. I think they gutted it, but I mean, there was like one buck tooth, one eye, one ear, and the brain. Brain was in half still. 
I ended up ordering pollo, right? That's chicken. Pollo arroz with his rice. See my Spanish? You guys are learning stuff tonight. It's good stuff. But there's a language barrier. There is a language barrier that, that can happen. But can you imagine all the people on earth speaking the same exact language? Like you could go anywhere on the planet and you would just know what they're saying. That, that's what this was um, at this point in time. And it kind of seems like we're kind of almost getting back to that place right now. It seems like technology is almost kind of the common language because you can go to a foreign you know, nation right now and put on Google Translate and you can kind of communicate with somebody. You go to a third world country, however, um, they're going to just think you're bonkers because you're talking into a rectangle and it's talking back at them. But at this point in time, everybody speak, spoke the exact same language. Genesis 11, 4. Then they said, so these are the people that are living in this place. Come, let's build a great city for ourselves with a tower that reaches into the sky. This will make us famous and keep us from being scattered all over the world. I think the people's motive to build a tower is interesting. Like as a kid, you just want to build the biggest tower, right? As a, as a kid, I just want to build the biggest tower or dig the deepest hole. That's just, and my daughter is totally into building the biggest tower. She's four, so her towers aren't actually that impressive, to be honest with you. But um, <laughs> in like the grand scheme of things. But my son is into wrecking everything she does. <laughs> so there's a, that's actually a lot of turmoil in our house right now is who's playing with the blocks. Liam tries to eat them and Ruby tries to, um, to build these, these crazy towers. But it's kind of funny to see that in like the, the smallest parts of our brains when we're kids. It's like, I want to build the biggest tower. And this is their motive. They want to build the biggest tower. And I feel like they want to make it their capital. They want to make it the symbol of, of, of unity. And unity and, and being together, that's not a bad thing. And I feel like that's that a really positive thing. And these people, their motive for doing it, I wouldn't say is that far out of sight, that far wrong. I mean, they want to make a symbol of unity. They, they want to make a tall tower. They want, to, they want to be famous, but they also want to keep the people from being scattered all over the world. So it's kind of like this, okay, they're building, they're, they're, they're building a big tower. But these people um, are missing out on a certain things. This is God's response to that. Genesis 11, five through six. But the Lord came down to look at the city and the tower the people were building. Look, he said, I, was, I always kind of wondered like who he's talking to. Is Jesus there or just some little angel or something like that? Um, he says, the people are united and they'll all speak the same language. After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. That's really interesting to me too. Because you think about scripture and you think about the Bible and it says, it doesn't say nothing is impossible with people that build strong, big towers. That's not the Bible verse. The Bible verse is nothing is impossible without God. And so this may seem a little bit edgy, but God is just saying, how come I'm not involved in this? So you start to see God's issue with this whole thing is, these people have built this tower apart from God. And I wonder, are there things in our life that we're building apart from God as well? And I think that we can take a look at our life and take a look at this story and still find a tad bit of similarities within it. God's not involved. And see, one of the mega themes of the Bible is that God wants to make his home among his people. In Exodus, in the second book of the Bible, um, and at the end of it, God actually has the Israelites make a place, a home for him inside their camp. It's called the tabernacle. And as they, as they build this, God says, I want to live among you and be with you. 
which is just crazy to think about that the creator of the entire universe who could set his plant, like his palace up on Saturn and put his feet up on the rings of it or whatever, he wants to live in a tent with some people in the desert. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. And I'm just like, well, why? Why would God want to do that? But then again in Revelation, so the second book of the Bible in Exodus, and then in Revelations, the last book, the last chapter of the Bible says this in Revelations 21, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. And that's the end of days. That's, that's heaven. That's what heaven looks like, is God living with us. God wants to live among his people. So he looks at these people building this tower. He looks at these people building this thing on their own, wanting to be famous on their own, and wanting to unite the people away from him. And I would imagine that he kind of feels like he got kicked out a little bit. He got kicked out of their life. I, I kind of imagine that, like, if one time I did this to my dad, he was so mad. There's a lot of stories that start that way. <laughs> but um, my, my dad, they, my parents sold a house when I was um, in elementary school. And they said, if I kept the house clean, I can, I'll get like a, something like $100 to me. It was like $1,000. And I was like, sweet. And so I did it. They, it. The house sold way quicker than my dad thought too. I only had to clean the house for like a week. And uh, I, I, I bought a Game Boy Color, which was the coolest thing back then. It was like an Xbox One. And it was, I, just, I bought it and I was like, yes. And my dad was super mad about it. He's like, why don't you wait till Christmas? And I wasn't picking up on the whole thing, but he had bought me the same thing for Christmas already. And so it's like, I, I removed my father from my own happiness, sort of, so to speak. And I feel like that's what these guys did is that they removed their God, they removed God from everything and they just set it all up themselves. It's crazy to think about how God sees this all go down. People try to leave out God. See, this Christian life is not about us trying to get to God. It's always been about God trying to get to us. And they're building this tower kind of up toward God. And it's just a little bit off from what God actually wants from them. And I wonder what we've been building in our life, what have we been building that's apart from God? That's not together with him. Because remember, life is just better together, especially with God. But these people are together, but they're not with him. So I wonder, what are some towers that look like in our life? Maybe our future goals and plans. I mean, how many of you have honestly had a future goal for just this year? Have you brought God into it at all? Maybe it's just your schoolwork in general. Have you actually brought God into it? Maybe it's your, your, your junior or senior actually looking into colleges. Have you actually brought God into building that? Where you're gonna go to college? You're gonna stay here at CMU or you're gonna actually go out um, of state or whatever that is. Have you brought God into that sort of thing? What are some other towers that we, or things that we build up? I feel like followers, we build up followers. Social media, right? TikTok, Snapchat, all that stuff. We want people to follow us. And it's just this idea of, of like, we want this, we're creating this image, this tower we want people to follow us through it. But what is, what is image? It's a worldly way to create identity. That's what image is. If you're trying to create your own image, it's just a, a worldly way to create your own identity. When God says, I placed an identity within you, you actually created in my image. So what if you used your base of followers on whatever social media platform to better represent God within you opposed to you apart from God? 
What kind of influence would you have on your followers if your posts and if the things that you, you, you put out on social media, because I'm not going to stand here and say that social media is a bad thing. If you can reach hundreds of thousands, even millions of people with one post that goes viral, what if that post had God in it? We're building these platforms, these, these towers apart from God. I believe that followers is one of those things. Relationships can be one of those things. Relationships can be a tower that we build. In my junior year in high school, I started a relationship with a woman, that, with a girl that did not know Jesus. And so legitimately, I started building a future for my life because what's the goal of dating? Marriage. That should be the goal. Right, you guys? I mean, that's, that, that's the end game of dating, right? That's the end game of dating is marriage. That's the next level. And so if marriage is the goal and I'm building my life outside, apart from God, I, I dated this girl for five and a half years. And after five and a half years, I still couldn't see myself married to her because I was not equally yoked with her. What the Bible means is that she didn't know Jesus and I did. So I was building this tower apart from God, apart from God. If it was built by God, it's built in love. But if it's built by you, it's built in pride. And I built this tower up thinking, I can do this on my own. She will know Jesus because of me. I broke up with her two weeks after I broke up with her. She, she gave her life to Jesus. All God needed was me to get out of the way for her to come to the Lord. So we build these things up in our lives. And it, and it could be relationships that are healthy, though. Like parents, we just, I mean, we have to be in their life. We have to. Or siblings, we just have to. But are you going in those relationships apart from God or with him? Are you inviting him into those things? Because together, we're always better together, and that's with God and with people. It's this community that God has set up from the beginning of time that he wants to live among his people, with his people. When we build up things, it's apart from him. See, Colossians 3.14 says, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. So the Bible teaches us what, what is a good bond, what, is, what makes us better together is love. God always builds in love. But when we build apart from him, it's in pride. And I think this is where the people in the Tower of Babel, this is where they started getting a little bit off. Because pride dies, but love, it lasts. All right, so this is, this is let's jump back in the story. This is God's um, response to the people. This is crazy, all right? There's crazy stories in the Bible. There's a story where a donkey talks, okay? This is in that realm. This is in that realm. Genesis 11, 7 and 9, it says, come, this is God talking. Let's go down and confuse the people with different languages, and they won't be able to understand each other. In that way, the Lord scattered them all over the world, and they stopped building the city. That is why the city was called Babel because that is where the Lord confused the people with different languages. In this way, he scattered them all over the world. Can you imagine? You're just like... I imagine two people, like, I don't know why I chose Lincoln Logs, but like they're building a tower, okay? And they're just building, and then all of a sudden, one of them starts speaking Spanish, and the other starts speaking French. You would think your friend went nuts if all of us are just like, what is wrong with you? Are you okay? And you're trying to take their temperature, and they're like, get off me. What's wrong with you? And they, they end up scattering all over the planet. But this is so interesting, because like I always think of God's character. He doesn't, he doesn't confuse. God's not the God of confusion. I've heard that so many times. But God can confuse the people and scatter them all over, all over the world. But remember, this is book one. This isn't the end of the story. 
This is the beginning. I believe this story points to another one. And I believe everything you read in the Old Testament, you need to put through the cross. Because I think everything in the Old Testament, which is everything that happened before Jesus, points to Jesus. And once Jesus comes and does his thing, he fulfills everything in the Old Testament and then teaches us about his life and, the, and what has, has been fulfilled through his life in the New Testament. So fast forward. God sees people build up something on their own, scatters them in different languages. People go off into their different places. Thousands of years um, go by, and then Jesus comes. Jesus was born as a baby. He lives a perfect life. He died for the sins of every person who will ever live so they could have eternal life. Jesus rose from the dead because death had no way of holding his perfect record in the grave. He ascended to heaven and promised all the believers the most magnificent, magnificent gift since his resurrection, which is the Holy Spirit. He promises the, all the believers the Holy Spirit. It's called the day of Pentecost. This is a little bit more well-known of a story, but it's found in Acts 2. And I believe that the Tower of Babel and God's scattering all of the people in different languages points to this story in Acts 2. And I want to show you why. Let's jump into the story. Acts 2, 1 through 4. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers, these are people that believed in Jesus, that actually put Jesus... Um, as the Lord and Savior of their life, that's what they mean by believers, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. Tornado, okay? Tornado. Sound of it. Not an actual tornado. Sound of it. Sound like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire, fire tornado, okay, appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages. They began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Let's keep going. Five and six. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. Every nation. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. God scatters the, everybody in the Tower of Babel, scatters them in different languages because they tried to build something apart from him. And the second, the second that they, they, they believe in Jesus as their Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit resides inside them. What's the first thing that they do? They start telling everybody in every language, every nation about Jesus. God becomes their common language. This is what, unity looks like in the kingdom of God is that God is not just this old man on this throne in this seat up in heaven. He is among his people, speaking through his people. God is a language. He is the common language. He's the glue. He is the, the entity. He is the thing that holds us together. This is why we are better together because the same spirit that lives in me lives in Caleb, the same exact spirit. And if you believe that the Lord is your, your Lord and Savior in your life, if you believe that, that means the Holy Spirit lives in you, which means a third of God lives inside of you. Oh, that, you should feel powerful if a third of God lives in you. And so all of a sudden, through the power of the Holy Spirit, God can unite the world. But I want us to think about the towers, the things that we've, built up in our own life, man, I think that God will scatter your city to save your world. And I think there's part of our worlds, 
part of almost each and every day that, that needs saving. Like there's times in our life where we try and do something apart from God. And every time we do that, we're not together with him in unity. We're trying to do something apart from him. But through the grace and through the love of God, which that's the language of God. It's love. If it's built in love, it lasts forever. The Bible says there's three things that last forever. It's faith, it's hope, and it's love. And the greatest of these is love. See, God wants to do life with us. Every aspect with us. Whether it's school, he wants to do it with us. Whether it's band, he wants to do it with us. Whether it's putting a lift kit on our truck, he wants to do it with us. With us. He wants to live among his people. And if the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, there's nothing that's stopping him from doing that. And so tonight, I just want to invite us to, to like, let's build our life on him. Let's build our life with him. As, as he is that, that common thing within us. He's that common thing that connects every single person on earth to their creator is the Holy Spirit. And he's all within us. What do we need to invite him into tonight? I want to read what Peter said to all the people. He reminded them of a prophecy in the Old Testament that pointed to Jesus. And it's in Acts 2, and this is what Peter said. This is what God said to the prophet Joel about the time that we're in right now. I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And in those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Right now, I just want everybody, like, let's just change our posture a little bit here. Can everybody just stand up with me? thing that I want to do just close your eyes and bow your heads the first thing that I want to do Acts 20 or 221 says but everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved if there's anybody who has not put their their faith is in Jesus as their Lord and Savior tonight I want to give you that opportunity right now so with every eye closed with every head bowed I just want you to repeat after me dear Jesus I love you I believe that you lived a perfect life, that you died, that you rose again, and you did it for me, that you ascended back into heaven, and you want to forgive me of all the bad things I've done. So I'm sorry, God, for what I did yesterday and all the days before that. And I'm sorry for what I will do take my life God I put my faith and hope in you take control amen if you pray that prayer for the first time in, in your life like you are now saved forever okay nothing can take that from you and I encourage you to, to tell me or some one of the pastors after service but I think there's more than what God wants us, us to do in our life because I think there's times that we'll walk away from that and we'll try and build something outside of that when God wants us to be together together with him
you right now is just, I want you to just ask God to just bring something to your mind. Maybe you already know what it is. Maybe it's planning for the future. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a friendship. What have you been trying to do apart from God? What have you been building in your life, investing in in your life? Is it a group of followers on social media? Could be a relationship with your parents you haven't tried to bring God into. Maybe it's your personal life or any part of your life outside of this room. Maybe it's band or sports team. Imagine what that is in front of you. And I want you to see it for the weak tower that it is. That apart from God, it will crumble. But I want to encourage you and I want you to know that God wants to build something healthy and, and right and everlasting within you right now.
purpose. You will be who you were meant to be. God put you on this planet for a specific mission and a specific purpose, and he wants to see you do great things. He has put you on this planet to do great things. And I believe that if we change the square footage just around us, if everybody does that, the world changes. That's the power that's in this room. That's the power that's in this room. There's world changers in this room. And if we invite him into the small parts of, their li of our lives, life is better with him. And as we walk out of this room, find this idea of community of togetherness that there's people that go to the same schools in this room you can you can find this togetherness if you continue to to, to, to live and, and represent God in, in the small parts of your life you'll see it in other people too and you can watch it grow and I've seen schools change I've seen teens change I've seen families change I've seen cities change it's called revolution it's called like it's crazy. And it all starts with just inviting God into the little things and watching Him move in the big ones. Give me prayer, 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 prayer of blessing over you. Jesus, open, open up your hands like you're catching something big from heaven right now. I think He wants to give, give a lot of people His presence. God, I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you can just fall on us, God. Holy Spirit, cover us from the top of our heads, the soles of our feet, every heart and soul in here. Empower us with the courage to be able to just speak you, God. Speak love. And Jesus, that we can represent you, God, everything that we do and everything that we say. God, that we can, we can walk out of this room building things with you, playing music in band with you, doing school with you, being a brother, being a sister, being a son, being a daughter with you, God. And I pray that you can give us the eyes to see and the ears to hear what you're saying and what you're doing. Show us what, what to do, God, in the future. Build that within us. But we love you and we trust you with our future. We trust you, God. And I pray, God, that you can speak to every single heart and soul in here, that you can tell them that they are worthy of your attention, worthy of your love, worthy of who you are to them, God that we can see Jesus, who you see us as, not the world. And God, as we walk out of here, we walk out with a new presence in a new place. God, in high standing with you. We love you, Lord, in your heavenly name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the 4640 Student Center Podcast. For more information on what's happening in 4640, you can check us out on social media and at our website, 4640gj.com. Service times are Tuesday and Wednesday nights. Hope to see you there.